Oh, wow. Trying not to boo-hoo over there at the table. To say that I am humbled by this honor is um, just such an understatement. Thank you so much for this great honor and for inviting me to come share for a, a brief period here. Um, Phyllis Schlafly <laughs> has been dubbed the first lady of the conservative movement and the most important woman in the last 100 years. And she has long been a hero of mine. And this is what I, I think was so intriguing about getting this uh, invitation to come and being honored with this award is those uh, that were honoring me did not know of my history with Phyllis. I never got to meet her personally, but there is a bit of history there and they had no idea. Uh, Phyllis has been getting me into trouble since 1994. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was torturing my Marxist university professors and fellow students with Phyllis's brilliant outcome-based education exposés back during the Clinton administration around 1994, uh, 95. And uh, I, would, I had this folder. Seeing those uh, p images of the Phyllis Schlafly report just brought back such a flood of memories for me because I would take Phyllis's reports and I would make Xerox copies of them and all of her articles that were that was showing you know how we were moving away from standards and from teaching reading writing and arithmetic and we were moving toward propagandizing you know children and uh, moving toward having no objective standards um, no grades no don't want to hurt the children's feelings this is this is was the heavy push during the Clinton administration and of course Phyllis was the leading voice crying out in the wilderness against this and so I was an education major and I would pass out all of this information to my fellow classmates and my professors and oh they could not stand me and I actually share the story in my book about how my uh, professor finally admitted to me, um, as a senior, I'm a straight A student, you know, and uh, as a senior, finally it admitted to me that she was under tremendous pressure from the administration of the college education department to, as she worded it, weed me out of the program. And here I am, a straight A student, but they had had enough of my Phyllis Schlafly, okay? <laughs> so you cannot imagine how honored I was when I received the, the invitation to accept this award. I am so blessed to be the mother of 10 beautiful children. Could my family just stand for a second? Sorry to embarrass you, but and my husband. <laughs> Thank you guys. They drove six hours to join me here today and my daughter and I kind of flew, flew ahead of them to make sure we were all here on time. Um, but uh, yes, they are all ours and yes, we do know what causes it. If you've ever seen the viral video on YouTube of that family uh, that was singing the 12 days of Christmas, the family with 10 children, that, that was us. <laughs> so years ago, before I was even the activist mommy. So um, some of you may know me as the mom who filmed myself burning a copy of Teen Vogue magazine when they started teaching our children how to sodomize one another. 
Some of you may know me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm ashamed that we're even having that conversation here. Some of you know me as the Christian blogger who got banned from Facebook for quoting what the Bible says about homosexuality. And some of you may know me from my viral videos in which I laugh at the crazy antics of the left. And of course, my children simply know me as mommy and as their homeschool teacher. And one of the things, that's one of the things I respect most about Phyllis was how much she treasured her children and how they were her, her focus. And it was amazing hearing her say that. I've never heard that quote before. Uh, but same situation with me. For 20 years, I have been a diaper bag-toting, homeschooling mother, never planned on being a public figure, an author, a speaker at all. In fact, I was following my husband around to his speaking engagements. And, um, and all of this came, came uh, very much out of nowhere. I love that Schlafly told um, Time Magazine in 1978, I have canceled speeches whenever my husband thought I had been away from home too much. I'm sure the feminazis just love that quote. <laughs> her family was her career, first and foremost. I'm not a lawyer like Phyllis was. I'm not, I'm not a politician. Um, I'm simply a mom who is gravely concerned about the nation that I am going to hand to my children and future grandchildren, hopefully of which there will be very many. <laughs> and that is why I am against radical feminism. Radical feminism is bad for families. Radical feminism is bad for women. Phyllis was the anti-feminist. And she was proud of it. And she was the anti-feminist when uh, feminism was the fad. You know, the first video of mine that ever went really viral was actually my anti-feminist video poking fun at the Women's March. Can we play that really quick? Julia, were you able to pull that up? You're not able to. OK, no problem. So just search on Facebook, search Activist Mommy Women's March, and uh, you'll see you'll see the, the video that really kind of launched my platform to, to another level. I think it got like 13 million views. Um, and you know, three, this has all happened in the last three years. Three years ago, I filmed my first video about Obama's transgender directive. When all of that came out and Target opened up their bathrooms for the opposite sex. And when 200 pound men were gonna be able to be in the shower rooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms of my little girls, I no longer recognize my country. You know, we're, we're crazy. We're this is the most unintelligent, embarrassing moment in our nation's history. One of the most, for sure. And I said, we have got to get off the sidelines and get on the front lines of this culture war. I'm now able to minister to millions of people every week through my, my blog, of which we, we post daily articles and, and my vlogging. Um, from the comfort of my home, I'm able to minister to millions every week. Not with sweet little Bible studies, okay, which are great. I mean, we need our sweet Bible studies. But through rebuking the evils of abortion and, you know, Islam, radical Islam, and the homosexual agenda and pornographic gender-bending sex education and the normalization of pedophilia. Now, this should encourage everyone in this room. This should encourage you that there's actually a hunger in our culture for a bold response and a biblical response to these important social issues. Did you get it?
Okay, do y'all wanna, y'all wanna play the video? It's just a few minutes, okay. This is the one that really made me mm, infamous, I guess you could say. Hi, I'm Elizabeth and I'm the activist mommy. Well, you've been living in a cave if you haven't heard about the Women's March in Washington, D.C. the day after Donald Trump got inaugurated. Listen, on behalf of normal women everywhere, I want to say that was not our march. I mean, vagina hats, vagina costumes, <laughs> maxi pads, littering and defacing the walls of buildings. You women really are nasty. You truly have earned that title that you desire. When are you gonna put your big girl panties on and realize the march is over. Rah, rah, you won your right to vote. You won the right to equal pay. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, it's over. You got it all. You got your equality. Though so the media reports that it was a peaceful march. Really? Why was Madonna up there talking about how she has thought many times about blowing up the White House? Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Holy guacamole. Why were people holding signs that said abort Vice President Mike Pence? The media says it was a march for tolerance. Tolerance? Then why were the pro-life groups that wanted to attend the march disallowed from being there? Such hypocrisy. The radical feminist agenda has turned into nothing more than a campaign for abortion on demand and homosexuality. Look, we don't wanna pay for your abortions. We don't wanna pay for your birth control. We don't wanna pay for your sex changes. And we don't appreciate that you completely ignore women who don't fit into your narrative. You see, if you're gonna march for women, you gotta march for all women. That's why I'm crying foul on the feminist agenda. You're not really marching for women. Because if you were marching for women, you'd be marching for the unborn women in the womb too. You see, feminism is nothing more than an ideology created by discontented, silly, sinful women who want to justify their sinful lifestyles. They want to justify their abortions. They want to justify their homosexual sex. This wasn't a women's march. This was an I hate men's march. And oh my goodness, you're going to set Madonna up there as an example? for women and daughters everywhere? Seriously? She is one of the most immoral women in our nation's history. Girls, when are you gonna realize that this kind of behavior does not make you more powerful? You just seem unintelligent and silly. It makes you weaker. You know, I march too. I march right into my kitchen and cook for my family and march right into my baby's room and changed her diaper. That's real womanhood. Not walking around in a vagina costume, demanding rights that you already have, pretending that you're a victim and discriminated against when you're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when some woman wearing a vagina costume starts lecturing me about womanhood, <laughs> I'm out. If you agree with me, please share this video with the hashtag NotMyMarch. Thanks and God bless you. Now, the fact that that got viewed 13 million times should really encourage you right now. <laughs> People are hungry for the solution, and the solution is not the radical feminist movement. The solution is spiritual revival and awakening in our nation. And I just want to inspire 
moms and dads, ordinary, everyday citizens to take action. And by God's grace, we have been able to do that. I now have over 700,000 followers on Facebook. We are regularly shutting down drag queen story hours. A terrible blight on our nation and uh, our uh, history and our story. Uh, we are shutting down sex brothels, all types of obscenity online, saving babies from abortion, and again, as homemakers, as moms from the comfort of our homes. I'm sure it goes without saying, and you all know this in this room, that we are not living in the days of Ozzie and Harriet anymore. In January, Cuomo signed shocking legislation for infanticide up to the point of 40 weeks. Hollywood stars are telling girls to brag about their abortions. Hashtag shout your abortion. The Hollywood Oscars just awarded an Oscar to a movie about man-boy pedophilic love. A proposed law in Delaware would allow kids to change the gender or race with which they gender or race with which they identify while they're at school without notifying the parents because the parents might not be okay with John saying he's actually a girl. The kids might not be okay with their black son saying he's white or oriental and identifying as such. A daughter in Ohio was stripped from her parents by the state because the parents did not agree or just weren't 100% confident that their daughter should be ingesting non-FDA approved sex change drugs. Daughter stolen from the family by the state. They're not just perverting their own children. They are coming for ours. This is war. It is war. And yes, you can put a smile on your face and you can laugh at the left, but let's know underneath it all that during a time of war, you cannot play. You must confront and expose and defeat the enemy. God asks us, does he not in scripture, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me? against the workers of iniquity. Now, we recognize that this is not a physical battle against people, that this is a spiritual battle we are fighting, right? And so we're not fighting against people, but we are fighting ideas. And it's very important that we love all people, but we do not love all ideas. And we will not tolerate our children's innocence being stolen from them. One thing I love about Phyllis is that... Um, she really understood the Marxist takeover that was happening in our nation, and she did not shy away from sharing that. And I have really made it a mission and a passion of mine to express as much as I can everywhere I go to convince parents, to convince Americans that this is an intentional Marxist takeover of our country. This is not accidental. And any of you have, who have read The Naked Communist by Cleon Skousen have read the 45, uh, 45 communist goals that were read into congressional record in 1963, warning us what was coming to our nation if we did not keep our eyes very wide open. Just a few of those goals. Uh, of the 45, just a few, were things like this. 
get control of the schools. <laughs> this is what Phyllis was talking about with her whole fight against outcome-based education. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and communist propaganda. Goal 20 that was read in the congressional record in 1963 was infiltrate the press. Has that not happened? Goal 24, eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship. How many of you have ever gone and complained about a book in the library? Raise your hand if you've ever complained about a foul, obscene book in the library. Wow, I love you guys. You are my people. <laughs> and you were quickly handed a form that said censorship in all caps at the top, probably. That's the way they handle us. Communist goal number 25, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Communist goal 26, present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Read into Congress in 1963, long before Obergefell versus Hodges long before gay marriage was legalized, a warning that we did not heed. Goal 29, discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, and out of step with modern needs. Discredit the Founding Fathers, present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man, even though they risked their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. They had no concern for common man, did they? And lastly, and this one really gets me, 40, communist goal, read into congressional record, discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. I'm sure that uh, Phyllis had a lot to say about no-fault divorce. When you know your enemy, you're better able to defeat him. And we need to study what our enemy believes, and how they operate. And the reason I want to focus on this across our country is because if, I think it's encouraging, because if mere humans are doing these evil things through evil ideas and tenacious commitment, then how much more can we, with the God of heaven on our side, undo this mess with good ideas and tenacious commitment? I'm not a fatalist, and you can't be a fatalist and stay in this fight. You cannot. And far too many Christians, I know probably everyone in this room is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Far too many Christians have sat on their hands in church waiting for Jesus to come back and rescue us from it all. Oh, this is prophesied. It's just going to be this way. There's nothing we can do about it. Thank God Phyllis Schlafly wasn't a fatalist. And we need to follow her example. You know, the left is really good at bullying, aren't they? And Phyllis got bullied a lot. And I read some of those hit pieces this week in preparation for this. And I honor her and respect her for her ability, just as a mom, you know, trying to stand up for her country, getting slandered and vilified. People have called, my husband, uh, as a doctor, they've called his hospital and, and, uh, and the um, medical board and tried to get him fired, falsely accusing us of child abuse and making up allegations out of thin air, accusations of medical malpractice, all because of what his wife does 
to you know fight the sexualization of children in our culture and fight abortion in our culture. The left is ruthless, <laughs> okay? And if you're going to be in this fight, you kind of got to grow some hair on your chest, if you will, if I can borrow that term, you got to toughen up and you got to be ready to handle the bullying. And the best way to handle it is to ignore it and to laugh at it. Laugh at it like that. Just ignore it and laugh at it. I've been called an arrogant, hypocritical cow, a fraudulent fat fat, blonde Hitler, redneck Barbie, and my favorite, a demented, dandruff-eating, mediocrity-afflicted neophyte with glacially slow cognitive faculties. <laughs> I had to copy and paste that one. They spent way too much time looking through their thesaurus, so I had to copy and paste that one. <laughs> we are told to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is part of living on this earth and taking up his cross and following him. Phyllis said, sex education classes are like in-home sales parties for abortions. Let me repeat that. Phyllis Schlafly said, sex education classes are like in-home sales parties for abortions. So Phyllis was fighting the whole sex ed agenda, and now Far too many were silent, far too many allowed it, far too many parents allowed this under their watch. The taxpayers have done nothing about it. I got tired of doing nothing about it. I got tired of spending my money on this and doing nothing about it and hearing parents coming to me and complaining and saying, look at what Susie just saw in school today. And so we did something called Sex Ed Sit Out. You may have heard of it. And last April, we sat out in protest because did you know a child has a dollar amount over their head for every day that they go in school? And if they don't go to school that day, they don't check in, the school doesn't get money for your child that day. There's federal and state monies that are attached to a child every day. And we caused schools to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars because parents were sick of gender-bending pornographic sex education. I had no money. No funded organization. This was simply grassroots mama bears who were fed up with their children being perverted, their little minds being raped, who said enough is enough. And this is what we must do. We must say enough is enough and we must rise up. And we must protect our children and our country from this Marxist takeover. This is why I burned the copy of Teen Vogue magazine. When all these people were emailing me, have you seen what Teen Vogue has done? Have you seen what, are we just gonna gripe about it or are we gonna do something about it, okay? So I tell my husband, will you go build me a little bonfire in the backyard, please? I'm gonna go get some lipstick on. And I got my lipstick on, had no idea what I was gonna say, filmed a couple of minutes, two minute video, thought, oh, this is gonna flop. A few people are gonna see this. I don't know if anyone's gonna care. The Teen Vogue's teaching our kids how to sodomize one another. Did you hear what I just said? A fashion magazine, 15 million people viewed that video, and we started Operation Pull Teen Vogue, and we said, parents, get these magazines out of your libraries and out of your gas stations and out of your stores, your grocery stores, and tell the managers you will not shop there anymore if they don't pull it. Well... Not impressive necessarily unless something happens. Of course, I was ruthlessly mocked. All these hit pieces were written about me after I did this. I was called a Nazi book burner. I was told I was only giving Teen Vogue advertisement and uh, only helping them. 
And five months later, a publication that's been in print since I was a little girl printed its last print edition. And the reason I share that with you is not to brag in any way, but to say, we've got to stop saying, well, I guess this is the way it's just going to be, right? <laughs> oh, well, sinners will be sinners, and, you know, they like sin, and they're going to promote sin. No. When are we going to fight for our children? That is what Phyllis Schlafly stood for, fighting for the innocent, fighting for families, fighting for Christian values and American values, and that is why I respect and honor her so much. If we're going to carry the mantle of Phyllis Schlafly, then we're going to have to fight something else in this nation as well, and that is judicial tyranny. That was one of uh, Phyllis's soapboxes, was fighting judicial tyranny. And I really have a problem with how, as pro-life ministries and groups, and I've been involved in so many of them, and my husband and I have been pro-life ministry leaders for 20 years, but I really have a problem with the way pro-life groups today are just begging for crumbs. And they think that we need to keep bowing down to the God of Roe versus Wade, bowing down to the judicial tyranny. You know, saying a woman has to wait 24 hours before she kills her baby, working and using money and energy to get that passed that a woman has to wait 24 hours and then you can kill your baby? Should we really be spending our resources and time and effort on that? Saying that partial birth abortion, we, you can kill the baby the other ways, but not this way. To act like one is barbaric and they're not all barbaric, something's wrong with that. You see, the left always goes all the way for the goalpost, and we sit over here and we beg for scraps from under the table. Okay, well, you can kill them that way, just don't kill them this way, please. We need to let God renew our minds on this issue in the pro-life movement, and we need to adopt God's heart on this. All of these strategies are stopping short of true victory, and this is a passion of mine that I will continue to speak on and be an activist on throughout this nation, that we need to stop begging for crumbs, and we need to not rest until all child killing is abolished in this nation. You know, we should expect just and righteous laws in this wonderful nation, should we not? We should not stop short. Our founding fathers' lives, the blood that they shed, is certainly worth that. And if we're going to carry the mantle of Phyllis Schlafly, we're going to have to fight the judicial tyranny of Roe versus Wade. Did you know that... Um, that in 2001 and 2005, the Supreme Court ruled that there would be no mar medical marijuana? Did you know that over half of states have passed state laws saying there will be medical marijuana? They have defied the Supreme Court. Did you know that sanctuary cities right now are in defiance of the Supreme Court, allowing illegal immigrants to come in so that Democrats can get more votes. Leftists can get more votes. 
Oh, how I wish we loved babies as much as potheads love their pot. How I wish we loved babies as much as corrupt Democrats loved getting their votes, willing to defy federal tyrants, willing to defy the judiciary, judicial tyrants in black robes. You know what? If a, if the Supreme Court said tomorrow that it was okay to kill redheads, would we obey the Supreme Court people? No. no, of course not. We would not. And we would do all that we could to make sure that redheads weren't being killed over on Main Street at the whatever clinic you started calling the place that killed redheads. Okay? That was one of our first mistakes, was allowing murder to start being called abortion, something other than what it is, which is murder. What will our children think when they ask us, Mom and Dad, what were you doing when they were killing babies on Main Street once abortion is outlawed? Because I believe abortion is going to be outlawed just like slavery. That day is coming. And, and when it's outlawed, and it's, it's just as unthinkable to us as slavery is now today, what will you be able to say to your children and your grandchildren when they say, what were you doing when they were killing babies over there on 4th Street? You mean like you were going to work and they were dismembering children? You know, we think of back on the Holocaust as like, oh, we would be so amazing and righteous and we would be hiding the Jews and we'd be risking our lives. We'd be doing all these things to stop the murder of the Jews. Really? Would we? What are we doing to stop the murder of these innocent babies in the womb? Hey, I'm under conviction right now, okay, to understand. I'm preaching to myself right now. What are we willing to risk, to see an end to the bloodshed, because that bloodshed is why the judgment of God rests on America right now. It is why we are ripe for judgment, and we want that to be released. We don't want that over our head any longer. In closing, I think it's appropriate, since this is the Homemaker of the Year Award, to focus on something that was the dearest uh, thing to Phyllis's heart, and that was being a mother. When I got married 21 years ago, I could have chosen to do, to do many different things. Um, I was a ministry leader and a musician and an educator. But through prayer and study of God's word, I decided that the best use of my gifts and my energy was through expanding the kingdom of God through motherhood. There is an all-out satanic war on motherhood, is there not? And it is no greater honor as women to be able to give our lives as a living sacrifice, our bodies as a sacrifice to the great calling of motherhood. This attack on motherhood is not accidental. It's not coincidental. It's intentional. It is deliberate. And it is something that Phyllis understood. It's a premeditated attack by the father of lives, of lies, who is whispering into the ears of Christian women that being a mother is not enough. You gotta have more. You gotta have more to fulfill you. You've gotta have a career outside of the home. This attack is as ancient as Pharaoh and Herod targeting Israelite mothers 
and babies. This attack on children and motherhood is an ancient one, and it continues to this day. You know, Betty Friedan, the, uh, the feminist who actually in a debate in 1973 said of Phyllis, she said to Phyllis in a debate with Phyllis, she said, what did she say, Anna? We were laughing about this in the taxi on the way here. She said, I'd love to burn you at the stake. I consider you an aunt, Tom, she called her, and said, I'd like to bur um, burn you at the stake. Here's what Betty Friedan said. If you understand, I just want to make sure everybody understands what we're up against and what Phyllis Schlafly fought for and what an epic woman of God she was. Betty Friedan said, the job of housewife, in my estimation, is intrinsically unworthy and undignified an occupation best suited for feeble-minded girls. She called the suburban home a comfortable concentration camp where women suffer a slow death of mind and spirit. How's that for tolerance of women who make the choice to be homemakers? Like the inmates of the camps, she said American suburban housewives had become walking corpses. And she said, I am convinced there is something about the housewife state in and of itself that is dangerous. There you have it, mothers. We are dangerous housewives. <laughs> and it is true. You see, these are my arrows that I'm shooting out into culture now. And boy, are they amazing. These are my intercontinental ballistic missiles that I'm shooting out into culture to make a difference. How many disciples, intimate disciples, did Jesus have that he impacted that then went and turned the world upside down? Twelve. I'm almost there. I've got ten. <laughs> what can we do with these impressionable, wonderful, amazing young minds? It's not an easy job. It's a thankless job. But I am a powerful woman, not because I'm an author, not because I'm a speaker, not because I have followers. We are powerful women because we are Christian mothers. Thank you so much for this honor tonight. God bless you.